You're listening to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show, your daily podcast on the National Football League, powered by the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Peacock and Williamson NFL Show. Happy Monday, everybody. I hope your team was victorious. We will go through all the games from Sunday, the winners and losers. Uh, the takeaways from Matt Williamson and myself on all of Sunday's games. We'll check in on our picks and, and what we got right and what we got wrong. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On. You'll get 20% off your next order. At BD Peacock on Twitter, at Williamson NFL. We're going to talk a little Monday Night Football as well, preview that Bucks Giants game. But first, let's get to I want to start with actually what I got the most wrong this week, Matt. And that was the Packers that have done me so well in my picks over the course of the week. And I talked about how, uh, you know what, it's not going to matter that Dalvin Cook is in there because the Packers are going to go up early, throw in the ball, and then the Vikings are going to be in catch-up mode. They're not going to be able to run the ball. And so what happened? Dalvin Cook goes nuts on the Packers and just blew out that um, that minus seven for Green Bay. And the Vikings actually won that one. The Packs with a couple a loss losses recently piling up. Vikings 28 Packers 22. Yeah, I didn't see this coming either. I mean, don't get me wrong, but I think it's pretty clear that the Vikes offense is very different when Dalvin Cook is healthy. And unfortunately, it doesn't happen quite enough. But and I'm not really on either side of the fence in this this debate, but the whole running backs don't matter debate. This is a pretty strong argument for the uh, for the, the defense, you know, like well, what if we wouldn't have had Dalvin in this game? I think it kind of <laughs> yeah. mattered that he was out there. Um, but that being said, I mean, my my takeaways are I feel like the Vikes offense can kind of hang with anyone when he's there. They didn't need a lot from Smith or, or, for, or from their receivers, you know, Thielen and Jefferson and those guys. But I think the offense is rounding into shape. Um, but the Packers, to me, are really missing two things. And one might get accomplished at the trade deadline. They need – Will Fuller or some other guy. Mm -hmm. And again, like Williams is a good back, but Aaron Jones is much closer to cook than Williams is, you know, like they would have been better with Jones and they don't have a fallback plan when Adams is out or Jones is out because everyone else on the offense is just a guy and the Packers D I I think it's just bad. It's the same defense we saw last year, right? This is what hurt them in the playoffs is getting run all over. And if a team can run all over you from jump, I don't care how powerhouse your offense is. It's going to be a very tough day for you. And now we've seen the Packers lose two out of their last three. So maybe time to get a little bit worried about where Green Bay was when they were at 4-0 and and looking like uh, they were you know, unbeatable early on in the yeah. season, the first quarter of the season, showing some warts now. So uh, And Minnesota exposing those with the run game. Tampa destroyed this team. I mean, so right. it has not been... Smooth sailing at all for Green Bay. And this looked like a get right game. I think that was your logic of it, of, you know, bounce back against Tampa, you know, after getting killed by Tampa. Yeah, they didn't get right. Dalvin Cook, 30 carries, 163 yards, three touchdowns. I think all three of those scores were in the first half for him. And if I'm not mistaken, Ronald Jones went crazy on the Packers, right? Was that the Ronald Jones game where he went over 100 yards a couple weeks ago? Yeah. I mean, the Packers run defense is certainly problematic. And I think like when they said, do, like last year. if they do target another wide receiver, it's speed, right? Because they've got a bunch of trees. They've got some big wide receivers there. They need someone with some speed, uh, with some big playability, whether it's catch and run or deep down the field. Will Fuller, I think, is a perfect name for them. It is. It is. I mean, 
My only reservation, and I just don't understand why they've gotten all these trees, you know, like a good, good definition of it. And, and I guess Lazard will help a little, but I always think about weather. You know, I think about like Chicago and Green Bay. It would would Will Fuller be Will Fuller in December in mm. those places? You know what I mean? Very good point. And actually, there were some games where it didn't even matter that much. A team from Las Vegas going into Cleveland with some bad weather. Uh, I guess we can go to that game next. The Raiders beating the Browns 16-6. to And this was a game uh, that we we got right in our picks. When I saw the snow falling sideways, I was thinking, is this team from Las Vegas going to be able yeah. to come in here and beat the Browns? And the Browns did not look good. And and we talked about how of all five and two teams, pretty much ever having a minus 21-point differential was not good. Uh, not a good sign for this team. They lose Odell Beckham, and they definitely were missing, I think, Odell on offense here. And, you know, I don't know if one week can put it to rest, but I think we just know that Odell's too talented the the idea that they're better without him is is probably not the correct one and Josh Jacobs going 31 carries just leaning heavily on him so the Raiders are built in a way where they can win some bad weather games I think 128 yards on the ground for Josh Jacobs weather aside this looked like an over game you know a sneaky high scoring type game the weather obviously made that very very difficult both these quarterbacks, as was the case across the country, you know, across the country this this week, was difficult to throw. I mean, wind is brutal, and wind is always bad in Cleveland, let alone on a day like this. But I, I think you're right. I mean, I think Vegas is the better of the two teams. Like, if I think they played this series eleven times, they win seven of them. You know, and, and it's close. They're both mediocre teams, and this might be huge for who that seven seed is in the AFC. It could come down to these two teams, and the head-to-head might be the difference. But one team ran the ball really well, and the other team didn't, and the Raiders have a little bit better weaponry with Odell out, to your point. I want to get to another game here with your Steelers, which was a huge one, taking a two-game lead now in the division, beating the Baltimore Ravens and the Steelers swing in a trade as well as we get close to the trade deadline. So the Steelers in in go for it mode, the the league's only unbeaten and really rolling right now. They are. Uh, I'll be very honest, though. I mean, they won this game. I thought the Ravens were the better team yesterday. So just to get that out there, get my homerism out of the way. I thought they were the better team. They ran all over the Steelers. Steelers had very little running game. It was penalties and especially turnovers that that was the the defining factor but these are two I mean as you'd expect anyone that watched this game these are two tough-minded strong organizations I felt bad you know Ronnie Stanley they just gave huge money he's out for the year and they were you know linemen were dropping on both sides of the ball and quite a few injuries is always the case for Steelers Ravens and I feel like, you know, just like our Thursday bets that we should bet against the Ravens and Steelers after they play every week with the spread, just because it takes a lot out of you. Went down to the wire as usual. Um, Pittsburgh got the win, um, but I, I thought that the Ravens were the slightly better team. But, man, Pittsburgh's really in the driver's seat now. And just to mention the trade, I, I only really bring it up. It's not a huge deal, but Avery Williamson goes to the Steelers. Uh, Bush was hurt. But the, the beauty of it is my 14-year-old, he he gets to now buy a Williamson Steeler jersey. I mean, he is bouncing off the walls. I mean, we actually talked about this on my Steeler show. And, you know, who are some linebackers you can get? And, you know, my co-host brought up, well, what about Williamson? I'm like, I think Michael Williamson is the only one, you know, pushing that train right now so he can get this jersey. 
Yeah, so he can tell all his kids at school about his <laughs> really athletic, distant cousin, right? Yeah, him and Zion, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can see those genes uh, in the Williamson family tree. Absolutely. Yeah, it's funny because there was the early pick six, which was huge for Pittsburgh in this game. You look at the box score, there there was not much offensively happening for, for Pittsburgh in this game, only averaging three yards per carry. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, 182 yards passing, 21 of 32. A couple touchdowns, though. And then Lamar Jackson on the other side, under 50% passing, couple of interceptions could not bring that team all the way back even though uh you know he he very much tried and actually Baltimore had a lead despite the pick six those were the only points for Pittsburgh in the first half right so Baltimore took a halftime lead and it was actually Pittsburgh that had to come yeah. back in this game and uh, my last takeaway from this game was J.K. Dobbins 15 carries Looks really good 113 yards this is the guy we had talked about all offseason we thought he was maybe the top running back in this draft class we loved the fit with Baltimore there was just too many bodies there Seeing him get the the workload like this, 15 carries, 113 yards, averaging 7.5 yards per carry, it's got to be his show the rest of the way. And we talked last week about this might be the last buy-low opportunity for some of these rookie running backs. Uh, that ship might have sailed for J.K. Dobbins, although when Mark Ingram's back, he'll he'll have a role too. I hope they don't put Dobbins back in the in the bottle. I mean, he mm-hmm. he's the best receiver. They don't throw to backs much, but he's got so much more juice than Edwards and Ingram, who are good players and fit the system, don't get me wrong. But, man, this is why you use a second-round pick on this guy. He brings a new element to the offense. I think he should be in store for a huge second half if they trust him enough to give him, you know, 65% of the touches or whatever. So uh, quite the battle, though. It was a very fun game to watch, a very, you know, nip-and-tuck battle. And you're right. I mean, uh, you mentioned the the pick six to start the game. And, of course, that was a huge play for the Steelers. But in a small way, it worked against them because before you knew it, the Steelers' offense never got on the field because they scored right away. I mean, like, the Steelers' defense was worn out in the first quarter. Right. <laughs> because, yeah. you know what I mean? That's the downfall of scoring on defense early in a right. game is you start a game and all of a sudden the first quarter's over and your defense has been on the field the whole time. Yeah. I mean, they're huffing and puffing against that brutal running game and chasing Lamar around. By the you know the first quarter it was like oh man I mean, when halftime rolled around I was like boy they better get in there and get some Gatorade take a nap I mean they look beat so even though Pittsburgh's undefeated two games up on Baltimore in the division when these two teams play again at the end of the month they're uh, what four weeks from now oh Thanksgiving yeah there you go the yeah. the night game on NBC the Ravens you think are a team that is as good or, or potentially still better than the Pittsburgh Steelers even though we saw the W for Pittsburgh in this game. Tough call. I mean, I, I put up my power ranks and I have the Steelers ahead of the Ravens, which I think you have to. I mean, they're undefeated. Um, I think the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Chiefs are clearly the top tier, you know, in the AFC, and any of them could emerge. I mean, just the Steeler fan of me likes that you're getting them on Thanksgiving short week in your building, you know, so uh, mm-hmm. I will probably pick the Steelers in that game, but that doesn't mean I think they're the better team. I mean, we saw that yesterday. And who knows, this might be uh, Ollie Frazier where they meet three times this week, this year. The rest of the Sunday games, we'll review all of those, and we'll talk a little Monday night football as well coming up on Peacock and Williamson. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. I've talked about it before. I watch 
all day long football. It is my job, and I go back later in the week, watch every single bit of games that I missed. So I need a lot of refreshment Sundays. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi made for football watching. All right, man, let's go to the Sunday nighter. That was the Cowboys at Eagles. This is us going head to head. One of your picks head to head with the action network on our six pack and good call, Matt on the Eagles covering that point. (laughs) I mean, the Eagles, a two win team coming in favored by eight points. That was a tough one. And I think the Action Network and Chris Raybon and Stucky, they saw that number and thought, man, that's too many for bad team versus bad team. But, man, uh, Cowboys proving they're the worst team here than the Eagles, even though the Eagles did not play great. Eagles now a commanding lead in the NFC East, 3-4-1. Cowboys fall to 2-6, and 23-9 the final. A little misleading. Like, I'm still feeling happy about my early predictions of I'll take the Eagles to win this division. Everyone else can have the field. You know, that's a great bet. A couple weeks ago, they're slowly getting healthy. But, man, I mean, this was tough to watch for the first half. I mean, this game was 9-7 at the half. Dallas was leading, and Dallas is doing, you know, wildcat and any trick, anything they could do to pick up a couple yards. I mean, just desperate offensive tricks, snapping it directly to Elliott and, I mean, anything they could come up with. And the Eagles weren't too far off in that regard. And then it's a little misleading, and anyone that has the uh, the Eagles D in fantasy and I was playing against them were pretty happy because that sack late in the game that was you know a scoop and score, and then right after that you get a safety because Dallas just snaps it over the punter's head on purpose. So it's a little misleading. I mean, there were nine points there late in this game that were a little fluky. I mean, this felt more like a 10-7 type of game. Yeah, it did feel very much like that. Ben DiNucci getting his first NFL start, getting some extended playing time there, throwing the ball 40 times, could only come up with 180 yards of offense, even at the end of the game where it's like, put the ball in the end zone. you got to score twice here, and they were just throwing some yeah. short stuff. And um, I actually enjoyed watching Ben DiNucci. He gave me the vibe. You know, he's a skinnier guy. He's not physically impressive, kind of wings at sidearm a little bit, almost looks like a baseball player uh, playing a, a football game. He kind of has an everyman vibe where, you know, a lot of people – always say when a quarterback plays poorly, I could go in there and play better than that. This almost looked like a guy who's pretty athletic, maybe played baseball a lot. It's like, look, I can go play some football, (laughs) slinging it kind of sidearm. So it was kind of fun to watch. I was rooting for the guy at one point, but uh, certainly he's not somebody that's going to take the Cowboys anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he may be a real fun neighbor, high school coach, dude to go golfing with when he's 45 and tell you about his Sunday night start against the Eagles. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Have a beer with him, yeah. Got to get him a touchdown, though. He's got to throw that touchdown pass. Throw the ball down. Throw the ball in the end zone. Yeah, I think Dalton's back next week for Pittsburgh. What are your thoughts on Carson Wentz? There was the nice fade route to Travis Fulgham. That's about all positive I could say that happened in that game. Trying to hit Jalen Rager a couple times. The Rager thing's still not quite happening for Philly, even though he's healthy now. You mentioned Fulgham. I think he's real. I mean, uh, Wentz was not his best showing. I'm not going to pretend to candy coat it. He, He made some throws that he shouldn't have as usual. Um, not enough consistency, a couple throws are wow. You know, that's a really impressive throw, but he needs to be better. A big loss for me in my picks was the saints. Speaking of bad weather, the saints going into yeah. Chicago, uh, but pulling it out in overtime, 26, 23 saints have, I'm not sure what to think of the saints. I mean, yeah, me either. they're five and two without Michael Thomas for m- much of that. And they've won four in a row. Like I did power ranks and I thought there was five really good teams. 
And I put the Saints six almost by default because I don't know where to put – You know, I don't know who the sixth best team in the league is. And maybe we'll talk about that later in the week or whatever. But they found a way to win. Defense was pretty good. The Bears are what they are. I mean, I I think, you know, Moody's a nice story and the tight ends are a little bit better. But Foles was really bad for most of this game. Got a little bit better down the stretch. Their defense keeps them in it. I kind of feel like this is what all Bears games look like. Yeah, it was a very Bears-like game. You thought, man, they're going to pull this out and and beat the Saints, aren't they? And uh, it turns out in sort of some some last-minute stuff there with no Michael Thomas and then... Allen Robinson getting cleared from concussion protocol basically on Sunday morning. Uh, that helped swing the thing, I think, in the Bears' favor there. And I'm kind of waiting on the Saints. A little bit, I feel like, with the Baltimore Ravens, too, that we haven't seen their their full power yet. And yeah. I keep expecting yeah. it to happen. This was one of those games where I, I'm, I think it's going to happen for the Saints. And maybe when they get Michael Thomas back, and and then things will start to click a little bit more. But... I feel like the Saints are a lot better team than they're putting out there, even though they're five and two. And I feel like the same for the Baltimore Ravens at five and two. There's 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 a level that they haven't hit yet that in the second half of the season they might hit it and then just roll into the playoffs. Yeah, and it could be a Saints Ravens Super Bowl. I'm mean, like it that seems far fetched as we speak on this Monday, but they're both going to be in the dance. They both are strong organizations, and I'm with you. I keep thinking the second half is going to be better than the first half of the season for both those teams. The last one of our picks here was your only loss of the week. This was the Bills that were favored by four over the Patriots were able to win by three, 24-21. The Pats, I thought, were going to take this one home, and I, then I wouldn't have I really not have known what to think about the Patriots, but showing some fight there and Cam having a big bounce back after getting uh, embarrassed last week. Yeah, it, was, it was better for New England. Cam looked better. They threw the ball with some consistency. I think Damian Harris is a pretty darn good player. He had 100 yards. Um, they still didn't feature him quite as much as you'd think. Um, Buffalo's another one I'm not sure what to do with. You know, like, again, doing uh, power rankings aren't that important, but it is kind of a good exercise of where teams are at. And I, I think they're the best team in their division, although I got a ton of heat that I was too rough on Miami in my power ranks, and that probably they're, the fans are probably right about that. But mm-hmm. the Bills are 6-2. and two. They ran the ball better. You know, Josh Allen didn't do anything in this game, and their defense isn't very good. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> that's well said. And right. I, I might have oversold a little bit. Just seeing the, the Patriots play pretty well and and having a lead at one point in this game was something that I was looking at where I was like, okay, this is they're, they're playing much better, and this is not the white flag team necessarily that they looked like last week. Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe they'll still trade off some pieces before the deadline Tuesday. Um but showing some signs there. And the Bills, yeah. Again, it's a division matchup. I don't know how much you can take from it from some opponents that really know each other very well. But the Bills, a little skeptical of a 6-2 and two Bills team. But that leads us to that uh, that Dolphins team you just mentioned, who seem like for real. I, I wasn't sure if they're going to be able to hang on. But uh, they did a number on the Rams, 28-17 here, handing L.A. their third loss of the season. 5-3 and three Rams, now 4-3 and three Dolphins. What do you think about the Dolphins potentially? Winning the AFC East. I think that's a for real conversation we have to have. And, oh, yeah, 1-0 and in the Tua Tagovailoa era. Yeah, I mean, again, I put them, like, in the middle of the pack in terms of the uh, in my power ranks, and I still had the Rams ahead of them. But they won this game handily. I mean, they scored 28 points in the first half. Didn't score again, but I, I, I didn't reward them enough for this exercise because – I mean, there's some things that are scary about I don't know how they win this game. I mean, I know how they won this game because they 
defensive scores and special team scores and things like that. But they had the ball for 23 and a half minutes, <laughs> even though they won and were in control the whole time. They averaged three yards per play, which is just terrible. Uh, two or through for 90 yards. And the, the <laughs> Dolphins only ran for 55. I mean, your quarterback throws for 90, you get 55 yards rushing, and you win going away against a pretty good Rams team. Like, I don't know that they're great, but their defense was pretty darn good. And Goff had to throw the ball a million times and play without, you know, play from behind. And that wasn't obviously a good formula for them either. But uh, I'm not sure what to think of Miami. I respect them. Maybe I don't. Yeah, the the defensive touchdowns and, um, you know, put it this way, Tua did not put the team on his back and lead them to victory. And in fact, no. it's funny, this game gave us the two lowest graded starting quarterbacks in in week Eight Sunday, I believe. So, uh, and actually, Tua was second lowest. Jared Goff had the lowest grade, despite throwing for 355 yards trying to come back in that game. He only had a 12.8 QBR, um, and Tua had a, a 25.0 QBR. So, PFF QBR didn't like him. His rating was a little bit better because there was some efficiency and you know, really dink and dunk type of offense there under Tua. 12 of 22 passing, 93 yards. He did have the touchdown. His his quarterback rating was 80.3, but that doesn't really tell the story. This was this was not a, a Tua leading the Dolphins to victory game. No, no, it's a good sign. I mean, he got a win, and you know he's going to play the rest of the way as he should. But I mean, even his touchdown was—I mean, Danucci could have made that play. <laughs> you know I mean, it wasn't anything spectacular. Do, is is um, the, is the Mendoza line the the Danucci line now for the NFL yeah. twenty twenty season? <laughs> yeah, it was the Duck line last year. Yes, it was. Uh, right. I I might even take Danucci over Duck Hodges. That'd be a fun conversation. Oh, I would take Danucci over. Duck you would? Hodges, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I like the way he slings at sidearm. I just want to see, you know, you got to put some yeah, points on that board. To him. Yeah. All right, cool. Uh, we got more Sunday games to get to, and we'll preview Monday Night Football coming up. You want a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar? Well, Build Bar is for you. They are delicious, dipped in 100% wonderful chocolate, high protein, high fiber, low in sugar, low in calories. Throw a Build Bar in your car. You don't have to stop for some fast food joint, knock out 1,000 calories. Grab yourself a built bar instead. So great for the health conscious folks out there. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. And built bars are low in calorie. Built bars are low in sugar, but they're high in protein and high in fiber. Even great for a keto diet. A ton of flavors. The 12 original flavors, six brand new flavors. The new cookies and cream, 17 grams of protein, only 130 calories, and 4 grams of sugar. My favorite, even more protein in the peanut butter flavor, 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, and only 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. So go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Let's get into this 49ers Seahawks game, Matt. The Niners falling to four and four on the season, and now half of their games, the starting quarterback hasn't finished the game. Garoppolo limping around. He dealt with a high ankle sprain earlier this season. He leaves. Nick Mullins comes in in the fourth quarter, and uh, the Seahawks improved to six and one atop the NFC West. Now they win it 37 27, and it really wasn't even that close. Yeah, I was about to say it doesn't. The the box score is a little misleading. The Seahawks owned this thing from the beginning. Um, it was DK Metcalf's week where last week it was Lockett. Mm -hmm. Seattle's quite good. I mean, I mentioned I think there's five really strong teams. They were number five, in my opinion. 
Um, you got to be a little worried about your Niners. I mean, four and four in that division makes it awful tough. And they they clearly were a lot better. And I understand it was versus prevents and whatnot when you know Garoppolo went out of the game, and then Kittle gets hurt like a couple plays later. Like this is this has not been the Niners' year, to say the least. Oh right, yeah. Your starting quarterback leaves the game limping, and then your two best players, one on offense, one on defense, and Kittle and Fred Warner leave the game. Oh, yeah. Fred Warner was holding his collarbone. I mean, this is just one of those seasons for the 49ers. So many injuries mounting up. And the thing is, Garoppolo's never been right since week two against the Jets. And I think it was the first drive of the game, that high ankle sprain. I think they might have brought him back too early. Now, did he have a setback? We'll find out later in the week where he's at. It's a short week. They got the Packers on Thursday night. Might be Mullins in the running game against the Packers Thursday. And if you're without Kittle and you're without Warner, potentially, I mean, this is this season just going in a way that is not good for the 49ers now. And with how well the division is playing at four and four, I mean, they'd be leading some divisions, but it's tough and the 49ers might have to think hard at the trade deadline and maybe consider some trades and trading away some pieces and and cutting some salary for next year if those trades present themselves because it's going to be an uphill battle with all the injuries they've had and and you can't really evaluate Jimmy Garoppolo until he's right and he's not getting he's not firing off his back foot it was his right ankle high ankle sprain balls fluttering out of his hands so I think they got to roll with Mullins for a bit try to get Jimmy Garoppolo healthy and keep their head above water and try to make a run but man it's just not the season's not going well for them and DK Metcalf is just freaky and scary and the Seahawks offense they can just figure out which matchup they like and you said it last week it was Tyler Lockett this week it's DK Metcalf 12 catches 161 yards and two touchdowns and even when you're covering the guy pretty close and Emmanuel Mosley was in his pocket a couple times he's too big and strong and then Russell Wilson's dropping in these perfect rainbows right into his mitts yeah I mean we don't even bring up Russell Wilson who is his typical awesome self four touchdowns MVP Russ yeah yeah, exactly. You know, and just okay, just Saturday at the office. I mean, halfway through the season, he's so far out in front for MVP right now, right? I don't even know who's two. Yeah, there's not even a good argument for anybody else to be in there. I yeah, think. I mean, Rodgers has fallen off. Josh Allen's long gone. Maybe if Brady blows us away tonight, he'd be in comp- competition. Yeah, for two. actually, that's a good I, I point. Yeah. Brady having Mahomes a, a prime time opportunity. Yeah, Mahomes could could jump in there. Let's uh, let's get to that game with Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs covering that twenty point spread beating the Jets 35-9. to nine. I mean, I don't have much to take away from it. I mean, it was never close. Was, this is what we expected. Um, not super surprising at all. I thought the Jets weren't as awful as you could, you know. I mean, they, they weren't so, so terrible. I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm really you know, uh, straining here for something yeah. to come up with, with this game. The only note I thought that was interesting is, I guess is here's a positive for New York is Kansas city ran the ball 20 times for only 50 yards. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But they're throwing it all over you. So maybe you need yeah. to have one fewer guy in the box and, and put that guy back somewhere in deep center field. But uh, yeah, Travis Kelsey helping helping out your fantasy team, hundred yards and a touchdown. Me Hardman had a big one. And of course, Mahomes 400, yards and five touchdown passes i think we can move on from this game but i actually love Real quick the- i know we, we like to rip on greg williams a little bit and i i almost want to go watch this coach's tape although this would be the last one on my list to spend time on <laughs> yeah. just to see like you said did did he stack the box so he can be like yeah we shut down the run good work you know like <laughs> and Mahomes throws for 446 on you yeah you know, like and remember, because right. Greg Williams was the guy that had that that defense where it looked like a punt return, where he had a safety so yeah. far back. What was that two years ago? And everyone's yeah. asking him like, Browns. "Why was he playing there?" He's like, "That's where I coached him to play. That's where I told him to play. So that's why he's playing there." 
All right, dude. Good job. Um, but I like the I like what the Jets are doing. Go get Trevor. Get the first pick in the draft, and yes. and it's pretty much uh, you know a clearance sale right now too. So if you're a team that needs a piece, and uh, the Jets don't have a lot of pieces left, but you're shopping at the New York Jets store the next couple of days. Right. I mean, dump Williamson for a fifth. Great. You know, you should do all those kind of moves you possibly can for those type of guys. I mean, don't dump Quinn and Williams or nothing, but right. I wonder if Darnold moves. Uh, to me, that's mm-hmm. the most interesting one. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. In the yeah, week. Darnold's got to go sometime, at least uh, in the offseason, yeah. if they're going to get the first pick. Uh, let's go to the Titans and Bengals. It was the Bengals, wow. an upset victory. Joe Burrow knocking off the Titans 31 to 20. Yeah, I mean, is it time to worry about Tennessee? Is it time to respect Cincinnati? I mean, since he's 2-5-1, and one, but they've been in just about every game. I mean, that goes back to even last year. I mean, I keep harping on that, that they play in close games, and now they're starting to win them a little bit. They controlled the clock, even though they didn't have Joe Mixon. I mean, I think that's very noteworthy and not easy to do. How about this? I mean, with all their offensive line injuries, and maybe they were a blessing, Burrow didn't get sacked. I mean, I thought for sure, no matter what defense comes to town, you know, he would get hit and sacked quite a bit. He's a good sign, and just a good sign that you got the right guy in Burrow because the way he carried himself, even in some losses, and he's like, this is not acceptable. We got to win games. And then, you know, getting better as the season goes on and maybe – you know, lift the the rising tide lifts all ships, and uh, the Bengals playing some some decent football, and they're in it every week, and they can beat a good football team. That's a great sign. And maybe you get a little bit worried for the Titans, and maybe they're in that tier of teams where you're like, ah, you're not sure. The record's good, but let let's see some consistency here. Uh, the big note and the big takeaway for me here: How about this? Corey Davis and AJ Brown have both played five games. Corey Davis, the forgotten guy there. They uh, Corey Davis actually leads the Titans ahead of AJ Brown in both receptions and receiving yards. It's very close, almost identical lines for those two players. But uh, that one kind of surprised me after a big day from Corey Davis that he actually has uh, better numbers than AJ Brown. Eight catches, 128 yards, and a score this week against the Bengals. And if you remember, they didn't pick up his option. He's going to make a lot of money this offseason. I think he I mean, will. I think he's You're right. Yeah, you know, he's a small school guy. It took a little longer than others to to acclimate to the league. I mean. We hold that against these players too much, I think. Um, this one had a little bit of the Rams-Dolphins feel to it in terms of just uh, you know investigating the box score. I mean, like they averaged a yard per play more than Cincinnati. They rushed for a hundred more yards than Cincinnati. You know, like, but it was the the other things that hurt them. You know, I don't know what to think of Tennessee. Are they a contender? Yeah, I don't know. Let's check back in next week with Tennessee. Yeah. Let's go to the Colts right now. They're a team I talked about. I wanted to pick them. They were my fourth one. I didn't get them into my six-pack. But I was like, you know what? The Colts just aren't that team where you're like, they can blow out a team. Well, I was wrong about that. They definitely blew out the Lions here 41-21, to put up 20 points in the second and fourth quarters there. 41-21, Lions fall to 3-4 and four on the season. Colts now 5-2. and two. Are Colts now the front runners? Do, do we like the Colts better than the Titans right now, Matt? I guess. I mean, this was certainly a big week for Colt stock going up. I mean, they Rivers has now played two really good games in a row, and he's starting to prove me wrong that, you know, I thought he was washed. I thought that was a big thing to take out of here. They didn't use – I mean, Jonathan Taylor's not the starter there. <laughs> you know, like, you know, we talk about these rookies coming off a of bye, ready to explode, Dobbins, Swift, these type of dudes. I thought Taylor would top that list, and I, I think they think he's their third running back in, in some regards. But they had this game pretty much in under control from the beginning. They are good. They, I mean, they're good, and I, I think that they're trending the right direction. 
the Lions just a couple days ago were buyers, and now they're probably like, hmm, maybe we shouldn't have bought things yet. You know? Yeah, fantasy owners are super mad right now at Jordan Wilkins for uh, the 20 yeah. carries and the, and the touchdown run and, and those not going to Jonathan Taylor, which is an interesting little twist there for the Colts offense. All right, one more from Sunday, then we'll make our picks for Monday Night Football, which shouldn't be too difficult, I think, this week with that matchup. But let's go to the Broncos knocking off the Chargers 31-30. to The Chargers are trying to do their best Atlanta Falcons impression by inventing ways to lose games. They just can't. They can't put it together despite playing sometimes really good football. It's miraculous. I mean, it really is. I mean, they were destroying the Broncos at halftime. They were the much better team. Guys like Mike Williams making plays and Keenan Allen and the Chargers D just dominating. Herbert looking as good as ever. Don't quote me, but I think the the Broncos had like 60 yards of offense at the half. And then – they kind of like Denver just threw caution to the wind and just started letting Drew Locke be Drew Locke, you know, throw it around a lot more sandlot type of plays. And in typical Chargers fashion, they just find a way to lose. I mean, they might be worse in Atlanta when you go back to last year in terms of letting teams back in it. I, I think Anthony Lynn's seat should be as hot as anyone's. I agree. I think you have to point to coaching oh. in those types of situations. And on the Broncos side, there was a point where Jerry Judy was really getting into Drew Locke. Like it looked like he was chewing him out or maybe he was just trying to pump him up. Not sure exactly what was said there. And then immediately following that, there was a big play from Locke to Jerry Judy, a 43 yarder. And I guess Drew Locke at halftime sort of rallied the troops and said, look, we got to play better because we're better than this. And he admitted, he said, and I'm not talking to you guys, I'm talking to myself right now as much as anybody. And then he came out in the second half and threw three touchdown passes and was a completely different guy. So maybe some good signs with Drew Locke sort of turning the corner and 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 really motivating himself to get out of his own way and just sling it a little bit. Yeah, and you know, the Chargers are two and five. They should be closer to five and two than two and five. I mean, if they would have... Again, it's easy to blame coaching. I'm not in the building. But going back to last year, they were the worst one-score team, you know, game team in the league, too. Mm -hmm. Like, this is too much of a trend. And you guys, you have too many good players. And you got this gift with this young quarterback. You got to win football games with him. Right. And we harped on that in the offseason, Matt. Or you did, especially talking about how this team had a chance to really flip that because they lost so many one-score games. And nope, it's still the recipe. Yeah, uh, what they picked what fifth or sixth in the draft? I mean, they earned that spot. Yeah, but if you would have flipped their one score games last year, they would have been eleven and five. You know, like it's the same thing as this year. Yep, I think you have to when you when you put it, that context on it. I think you have to have Anthony Lynn on the hot seat right now. Yeah, and then, boy, would that be a great job? Oh, oh, amazing job there! You got yeah. your young quarterback in place. There's a lot of talent there. They'll get even more mm-hmm. back with some injuries. So. Uh, absolutely. And a, and a chance to turn things around. Look, we're only halfway through this season and it changes a week to week basis in the NFL. But we've got to get to Monday night football straight up. This is an obvious one. Big favorites are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road facing the one in six New York Giants. Tampa giving up 12 points, though, here. So that's the question. Do you give up 12 points with Tampa in New York? That's the question, because I just wonder how will Brady and Arians, and I really think that the answer is Brady, not Arians. How will they, how will they play this once they have the lead? Are we going to see Fournette, Jones, Dinkin and Duncan just eating clock like crazy? Or are they going to air it out a little bit and really start to you know develop some things? 
but they don't have AB, they don't have Godwin. Um, I'll probably lay the points based on the Bucks D, uh, Daniel Jones' propensity to hold the football, and I wouldn't be shocked if there's a pick six in the Bucks' favor or a defensive score here. Yeah. Yeah, because the that Bucks defense is just too good. I can't see much happening with the New York Giants. I'd put the I don't know if it'll be a 12-point win just because I don't know how many points the Giants are going to score and you mentioned mm-hmm. it in the second half it could just be all Leonard Fournette just leaning on the Giants. I do not like the Giants hopes for scoring a lot of points. I would probably give up the 12 and go Tampa if I'm forced to make a pick here, which I am as we do this podcast. Uh is this a get right game for Mike Evans in that Bucks offense? Yes, I think so. I mean, and then maybe like in the fantasy world, you sell them after tonight with those two coming back, Mm -hmm. A.B. and Godwin. I just think Evans is a great player, and we just haven't seen it a lot. Remember he had that bad-looking ankle injury several weeks ago, and he's played through it. I wonder if that's worse than people think, and he just can't cut off it and things. And he's, He's been having to try to overcome that. I'm just a believer in Mike Evans. I mean, I think he's on a Hall of Fame career path and is a stud. Absolutely. Yeah, he's an alpha dude at wide receiver. He's that mentality yeah. you want because the ball is always his. And the way he plays, uh, I love watching Mike Evans play. And, uh, you know, maybe if it's not the right situation here, who knows? Uh, maybe he ends up elsewhere at some point. But I got to believe the cream rises at the top with him. But, man, when Godwin's back and then they get Antonio Brown going, this is a scary oh. football team in the second half. As long as Antonio Brown's not some addition by subtraction in the lo- or uh, subtraction by addition, basically, in the locker room. Yeah, good point. Who knows? I mean, uh, did you need to rock that boat, or is he going to help paddle it with more vigor? Um, I, I think, though, with all respect to Russell Wilson, I think this is probably the best team in the NFC. More complete than the Seahawks, for sure. Even though for maybe sure. the Seahawks had a little get-right game on defense against the 49ers, looked a lot better there, and Bobby Wagner having his best game of the season. But uh, I'm with you. The most complete team in the NFC is absolutely the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now. This will be a business trip. They'll go to New York and some probably some crappy weather and handle their business and never leave us in doubt of who the better team was tonight. And we'll break it all down tomorrow. All the action from Monday Night Football. The trade deadline is looming. It is our Tuesday two-minute warning, which features your questions. Two minutes on each question, focusing on each division in the NFL. So hit us with those questions on Twitter, at BDPeacock, at WilliamsonNFL. All that tomorrow and continuing on throughout the week, right here, Peacock and Williamson.